Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. Uh, we don't have Marcus Parks with us today because, uh, to quote Mr. Parks, uh, he is ass deep in Hubbard right now. L. Ron Hubbard, that is. It's a disgusting image, to say the least, but he's up to his eyeballs researching the man who founded Scientology. So producing this show is going to be Travis Morningstar. Thanks for being here, Travis. What up? Uh, Travis, you might recognize him from uh, the uh, the last stream on the left. Uh, Henry Zabrowski nicknamed him Titties. And Travis, I don't like that nickname. You're a beautiful man. Um, all right. Well, we have a lot to get to today. Donald Trump, I want to talk about his travel ban. Uh, is he maturing as a president? Uh, not to, not that I agree with the travel ban whatsoever, but the rollout is at, at the very least slightly more organized and more presidential, uh, regardless if you agree with the policy or not. Uh, there are some changes that he put in place with the original disastrous rollout uh, from the original uh, travel ban. He seems to have adjusted a little bit, learned from that experience. Hopefully, uh, he can continue to learn from experience so we don't just repeat mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, so we're going to get to that a little bit later. We're also going to compare Trump care. He doesn't like it called Trump care, but we will continue to call it that because Obama didn't particularly care for uh, the ACA to be called Obamacare. But at some point, he just learned uh, to embrace it. And I'm assuming Donald Trump and uh, Speaker of the House Paul Ryan will also have to embrace their health care policy, which is being panned by both sides. The Trump administration is a great uniter of individuals who despise many of their actions, to say the least. The Freedom Caucus is absolutely livid. Of course, liberals are completely confused and dumbfounded. And even individuals who voted uh, for Donald Trump and are in favor of him repealing the ACA are upset that their Medicaid uh, the Medicaid expansion might be done away with. We're also going to get into the Weeping Angel program, which is a CIA program, and uh, and that sort of ties into what Donald Trump was talking about regarding his phones being tapped. Uh, he tweeted that out that a ex-president, Barack Obama, committed a felony. Uh, he just threw that out there in 140 characters or less. And um, uh, so we'll get to the bottom of it. It's interesting. Dennis Kucinich, former, no, by no means a Republican, by no means a conservative, former Ohio congressman, also testified or has um, has a situation that he is discussing now where he was wiretapped. So these things do happen. The The British intelligence agency, uh, they have a program, again, Weeping Angel, we're going to get into it, where they have the ability to hack into your smartphones, your uh, smart TVs, your smart cars. So we're going to dive into that a little. Uh, a little bit, and we'll get some listener emails uh, as well towards the end of the show because this week has been so busy, I wasn't able to put together a, su- a full episode of the Dumpster Fire Chats, so we'll just do a couple at the end uh, of today's Top Hat. I, I, wa- I want to say I- I've had an amazing week. I am doing a lot on uh, on Fox News Radio now, three hours of radio. Uh, I had an opportunity to fill in for Alan Combs. So before uh, you know the liberal listeners, and I know we have a huge liberal base, uh, before you yell at me and demonize me, I'm filling in. Uh, we're not filling in. Hopefully, potentially replacing Mr. Alan Combs, who was, of course, the rational voice of the left at Fox News for a very, very long time. A man who was the epitome of not spe- uh, preaching to the choir. He 
preached into a uh, an ocean of conservatives that all despised him, and he continued to tell his truth from his left leaning uh, with his left leaning philosophies. I want to start today's episode out with a little praise for a politician, and it does happen to be a Republican. He's a, a state senator from Oklahoma City. But uh, State Senator Senator Ralph Shorty, which is kind of a fun name, Ralph Shorty, vote Shorty, why wouldn't you? He's a Republican who reps, uh, represents Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City area. He wants to pass a measure where it's legal to shoot down drones over your private property, and I think it's wonderful. Take them all down. I'm so sick of these drones. It's ridiculous. They're uh, allowed to just levitate over our backyards, and we can't do anything about it as some 13-year-old pus-filled, crater-faced individual is watching us uh, as we try to eat dinner or do God knows what uh, from from the basement of his parents' home. It's it's a nightmare what's happening with these drones. So this law this lawmaker uh, wants a wants to pass a bill that does not criminalize shooting down drones over your property. There was a situation I believe we talked about it on the roundtable of gentlemen, where a uh, a father shot down a drone after he found it spying on his two daughters while they were sunbathing, and he shot down the drone or lassoed it. Did something? He got the drone out of the sky. Maybe he threw a rock at it. Um, and he was arrested for, uh, you know, for vandalism of, of property, which I think is absolutely insane. So Shorty says there are privacy issues that have uh, that have not yet been addressed by any of the FAA regulations or state law. He goes on. He says it doesn't matter how you damage that thing as a private citizen. And I love that. It doesn't matter how you damage it. You can just you can if you if you got a really heavy mint, just spit it at the thing. It doesn't matter. Just get it out of the sky. Shorty says as a private citizen. You have a reasonable expectation of privacy above your property where the public does not have access, and that is under 400 feet. I completely agree. So, Ralph Shorty, Oklahoma City area, you are today's politician uh, of, of my heart. Today, you are the best politician in the world because I agree with you. He could be crazier than Jill Stein. It doesn't matter to me. His policy idea right now is absolutely wonderful. Shoot down the drones. Get them out of the sky. They shouldn't be. Uh, floating around your backyards, even if my dog is bathing. I say, leave my dog alone. Next thing you know, they're selling calendars of my Pomeranian in a tub. That's ridiculous. No man should be arrested for uh, lassoing a robot. Absolutely not. Robots, they sh- they're, you know, they're getting personhood rights, and that's going to happen. There's actually an email we're going to read a little bit later on in the show regarding automation. And uh, Bill Gates, he, has a, uh, he believes, and I think rightfully so, that robots will become, they'll be taxed. Uh, as if they were employees, and of course that tax will then have to go towards a living wage that the government is going to have to pay. All of our citizens uh, can no longer find work, but then there's a counter-argument that says um, with new technology comes new job positions that were previously completely unthought of. You know, if you would go back, you know, 300 years ago and describe what work looks like now, they would be like, what, the a cameraman, a studio? What the hell are you talking about? Uh, you know, it's just as as technology advances, jobs, new jobs are you know created byproducts of uh, of the new reality. So Ralph uh, Ralph Shorty, you've done it, my friend. I hope they pass that law in Oklahoma. Don't you think, Travis? Go Shorty. Thank you so much. Just you're 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 so much nicer to me than than Marcus is, who again is currently up to his ass in, in Hubbard. Hubbard. <laughs> 
Grubhubbers. Mm, Grubhubbard. Um, all right. So a couple of changes to Donald Trump's travel ban. The the former travel ban, the one that went through the night uh, that was uh, held up by the Ninth uh, Circuit Courts, is gone. It's done away with. It doesn't matter. That is dead. Iraq is now excluded from the seven nations. Originally, it was Iraq, Iran, Syria, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. Uh, Iraq did hard. They did a lot of petitioning uh, to Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and the Trump administration to get off of the travel ban list. Uh, They basically um, discussed how they have been on the front lines of the fight against ISIS, how they are a strong U.S. ally, and uh, how, how putting them on the list will demoralize the individuals who are currently fighting the U.S.'s war in Iraq. So they were able to get off of the list. The six states are now Iran, Syria, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. And now, of course, there has been no terrorists who have come from those six uh, six nations whatsoever. You could argue we had a few individuals in Minnesota who were part of the Somali population there. There's a little bit of a difficulty assimilating right now in Minnesota and Minneapolis specifically. Cultures are clashing a little bit. There were a couple of Somali youths who um, wanted to go join ISIS. They were, they were uh, apprehended as ISIS sympathizers. So, you know, it's a little bit Uh, It's obviously a very, it's a muddled issue. It's a tricky issue. And that's why the original travel ban was so atrocious and so ignorant where Donald Trump, pretending as if he was some president in a movie, just said, effective immediately, we're shutting down transportation from these seven nations, which then, of course, led to hundreds of people detained at JFK Airport, which then led to hundreds of individuals protesting at JFK Airport in order to get those individuals, many of them uh, green card holders and uh, people who had visas, many of them here to get an education or already educated here to work in the medical field, things like that. Uh, Effective immediately is not something that a president should ever say regarding a global uh, executive order, an executive order that has global reach. So that's what I said earlier on in the show. And I'm sure some people got upset with me immediately. Be like, he's been a Trump apologist. I'm just trying to give a little credit where credit is due. Granted, we are talking about a very small step in the right direction. But the fact that they gave uh, more time to implement this new executive travel ban as well is intelligent. It was it was created on March uh, 6th, and it's not going to be implemented until March 16th. If they would have done this in the first place, we wouldn't have had the protests at JFK Airport because we wouldn't have had people held there. I mean, the whole thing was just such a mess because it was rolled out, again, in such an amateurish uh, way. Uh, Representative Nunes calls uh, Donald Trump a neophyte to politics, and he certainly is a neophyte, but at some point after a year and a half of campaigning, and now being in office for a month and a half, figure it out for crying out loud. He so, treated that first piece of legislation like a memo to the office, yeah. but he didn't like capitalize any words or like he didn't take out any spelling errors. No, the man misspelled the word "tap" in the wiretap tweet where he can, where he accused a former president of a felony. I mean, the man, you know, it's we're going to get into it. So again, yes. So now there's a ten day. Uh, it's a delay, a ten day delay on implementation. Syrian refugees in the original uh, travel ban were completely banned. And now it's going to be 120 days. Um, they're banned for 120 days, same as the other refugees, until, uh, you know, I suppose they can figure out what's going on, uh, in the words of Donald Trump. But make no mind uh, about the fact that 
extreme vetting, as the Trump administration likes to say, has already occurred. This country is extremely difficult uh, to immigrate to or to, to come into. It has The Obama administration was no dove when it came to our immigration policy on a national and, and global level. So this extreme vetting, this rhetoric that they're using is really just a um, just a different branding for what's already in existence. It's It takes months, years to get a green card, to get a visa, to be allowed to come into this United uh, into the United States, especially from a Middle Eastern country, all of that stuff was already in place under President Barack Obama. So uh, he also, again, previously did prevent the visitors with green cards and visas from entering the United States. That has been lifted. I mean, that was absolutely insane that they had that in there in the first place. Uh, also, in the original, they prioritized claims by victims of religious-based persecution, and now there is no provision for religious minorities. Of course, when we say religious minorities uh, regarding Middle Eastern countries, we're discussing mostly Christian or uh, individuals of a Jewish faith. Those people were going to be given um, an easier path into the United States than Muslims, hence the uh, term that's being used now, and 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 uh, this is basically what the travel ban has been branded specifically by the left, but of course also by Donald Trump when he was running for the presidency of the United States, who when he declared a a a, a halt on all Muslims coming into this country, uh, Donald Trump did himself no favors uh, whatsoever saying that because that was the fuel for the fire of the left arguing that this is a Muslim ban. The previous ban with all seven uh, nations uh, banned roughly 15%. That's uh, Muslims across the globe. 15% of them reside in those nations. So it's, it is a bit of a misnomer to call it a Muslim ban. I'm not sure how many Muslims live in Iraq, so I don't know what the percentage is, is down now. Let's say it's now 13.9% of Muslims across the globe are going to be um, – I have a more difficult time coming into the United States. I think it's a bit of a misnomer to call it a Muslim ban. But again, uh, it's it's good rhetoric uh, for the left. And it is something that Donald Trump uh, brought upon himself a contra another con a, a another, uh, you know, shot himself in the foot again. Yet again, another controversy that could have been avoided because his tongue is just uh, it's too wild for his own good. But I don't want to I mean, you know what's been bothering me lately uh, as far as the left Keith Ellison, uh, he was up against Tom Perez to be the new head of the DNC. Keith Ellison is a, uh, a Muslim, uh, obviously a Muslim-American man, and he was derailed. He was derailed by the Alan Dershowitzes of the world because he was Muslim. The left is just as guilty as the right when it comes to Islamophobia. Hell, look at Bill Maher and Milo Yanniapolis. I think that's how you say his name, huh? Yanni Apple? Real close. I don't know. I, I try my best, you know? And I do want to say, I got a couple of emails, uh, you know, equating what we talk about on the last podcast on the left uh, to what he does uh, as a provocateur. And I just believe last podcast on the left's our main uh, motivation is not to offend, but to en- uh, entertain and educate people about the dark, uh, mad world that we live in. Um, anyway, so the Democrats with Keith Ellison, 
Um, of course, yes, like I was saying, Bill Maher and Milo agreeing on their Islamophobia together. The left and the right both have a consensus of hate uh, when it comes to that religion, uh, which is which is absolutely fascinating. If you look at what they did with Keith Ellison, Tom Perez is now the head of the DNC, which is just as statist as you can get. It's so status quo. It's absolutely ridiculous. The bench for the Democratic Party is so weak. It's so shallow. Uh, you can't dive in it. You'll break your neck immediately. I mean, this is uh, you're gonna. This is um, really detrimental to the country not to have two viable parties. I mean, the Democrats are losing seats all across the country. I think they only hold eleven states right now, which is absolutely insane. And they did not do themselves any favors by going in and, and electing uh, Tom Perez, who is again he's a, he's close with the Clintons and uh, Keith Ellison. Did not get it because he was um, he was uh, branded as anti-Semitic and anti-Israel because he believes that the Palestinian people have a, a right to exist uh, in Israel. Now, I understand this is a very controversial uh, situation. It's very difficult because a lot of Palestinians and uh, people in those Arab nations don't believe that Israel should exist as a state. So both of these parties are clashing on ver- with very severe uh, ideological differences. So I do understand the significance of the issues regarding the Middle East. But to brand Keith Ellison as uh, an anti-Semite who is against the state of Israel, who is against the Jewish people, was just politics as usual. And it's a detriment uh, to the Democratic Party. So now Tom Perez is head of the DNC. We also have Barack Obama. Uh, uh, This is a deep state. This is something that a lot of conservatives have been talking about lately. This term deep state, for those that haven't heard it, basically refers to uh, liberals who are embedded within Washington that dictate and control much of what is actually put up for legislation and dictate and control the... um, the policies of this nation. Valerie Jarrett, of course, formerly with the Obama administration, just moved in with Michelle and Barack Obama uh, to work. And this is some. This is a an example of the deep state at work, according to many people on the right, who I had a great opportunity to speak with uh, over the phones when I was filling in for uh, for Mr. Alan Combs, or when I was sort of in for uh, the late great Mr. Alan Combs. Uh, This is very real to them. When Valerie Jarrett goes in and meets with the Obamas, lives with the Obamas, uh, theoretically, she is doing this in order to create a new Democratic uh, base, a a new branch of the party that will be able to eclipse and get the Clintons out of the picture. The Clintons purged the Democratic Party of talent for 30 years. And we saw that, of course, with the 2016 election. Jim Webb who looks like someone that Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles needs to murder. Uh, and Because he, like he looks like an arch villain. <laughs> right, but I, I always like it when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles murder their villains. <laughs> they got to kill him. Well, they never really kill him. <laughs> yeah, when do they kill him? They always just like put him under a boat dock or something. Yeah. That's what they did to the Shredder. Didn't they just like <laughs> yeah, super they, Shredder? they suffocated Shredder. Oh, that's not <laughs> with right. With a plastic bag. Oh, I, my goodness. Yeah, treated it like uh, like Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> there needs to be a reboot of Reservoir Dogs, but with the Turtles. It would be tough to cut off a Teenage Mutant you know, Ninja Turtles I was going to say, like, uh, Master Splinter gets his tail cut off. <laughs> So uh, the, the the Democratic Party just being purged of talent for so long, as we've seen now, if you look at Donald Trump and and we're going to get into the health care situation right now, which is, you know, 
It's again, uniting people in disdain for the bill that Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump and his administration have put forward uh, to the Congress. But the Democratic Party is in desperate need of new blood. A lot of people throwing out the name Cory Booker for 2020. Again, I mean, in my personal opinion, that's a snooze. I don't think we know who the nominee will be yet for the Democratic Party, obviously, but I don't think we know the name. Al Franken is being thrown around. From comedian to president, uh oh, I, I like it. that. I like that precedent I like it a lot. I like that precedent indeed. Um, so they have a lot of work to do. If you look at the polls, Donald Trump loses to every generic Democrat. People in this country want two parties that are functioning and viable, and Donald Trump beats Elizabeth Warren. So it's like it's not working, and they got to figure it out here. Uh, of course, uh, and we'll, let's get into the Trump care uh, situation. This might be a way in for the Democrats. Obviously, if people do end up the 11 million people who relied on Obamacare for their Medicaid expansion, if they do get kicked off, you know, I'll guarantee you they'll be at the polls in 2018 and 2020, and they won't be voting Republican. But at the same time, the Democratic Party cannot just redo what they did in 2016 and rely on the Republicans to implode. You just can't. They have to actively have a message for the American people, have a hook, have a reason to get people motivated behind you. I mean, Donald Trump, he didn't say anything. He still doesn't say anything regarding the uh, the health care bill. He doesn't he doesn't understand what he even what it is. He just says it's going to be great. It's all wonderful. It's beautiful. It's nonsense what he says. Uh, but he's saying at least he's being positive. Uh, And the American people, um, although now they're starting to realize the policies that come from his rhetoric aren't going to necessarily benefit them uh, whatsoever. As we've seen now, I believe it's a $600 million tax break uh, for the wealthy, and no one really understands why that is even in there. Okay, so Trump care versus Obamacare. Uh, Let's go in Obamacare. The individual this is under Trump care. The individual mandate will be eliminated under Trump care, thus removing one incentive for people to sign up for health insurance. As opposed to under Obamacare, the individual mandate requires and this is where a lot of conservatives got upset. This requires this is your this is your government overreach. This is your tax requires all eligible citizens to have health insurance, which makes coverage affordable, affordable nationwide. Uh, that is the notion that if we have a population, a young population, and you know, I'm not going to get all of this stuff 100% correct, and I'm sure I'll get a bunch of emails about it. I'm not a healthcare expert. I don't even know if there are any healthcare experts because the experts don't seem to agree on anything either. Uh, but from what I understand, uh, if without the young people who are healthy paying into the program, the ones, the elderly people who are sick, um, cannot it, it just cannot fund itself without healthy people paying into a nationwide uh, program. Uh, because if it's ju- obvious, if it's just the sick, you can see it would all be off kilter. Okay, so when it comes to price transparency, Trump has called for price transparency under his plan. His details of which have not yet been released. Which this is Trump administ- This is classic Trump administration. We'll get it when he gets to it. Um, of course, uh, Barack Obama's is on the marketplaces. Consumers can see prices, uh, pricing and coverage information in detail. The ACA has already made great strides regarding price transparency. Now, however, uh, the premiums that went up in 2016, 2015, people didn't see that coming. 
A lot of people believe that might have been a one-time surge as the market corrects itself, uh, but that re- could not have come at a worse time. We're now seven years in um, to Obamacare being in existence, which is very interesting now with Mitch McConnell and the House Republicans wanting to, by April, Mitch McConnell wants to get Trump care passed by April. Uh, they had a, I believe it was a 17-hour meeting uh, regarding Trump care, and people criticized Barack Obama's camp, uh, administration for trying to push through health care too quickly. It took a year, and now uh, Donald Trump wants to push through Obamacare light, if you talk to Rand Paul about it, or Utah Senator Mike Lee, who doesn't believe this repeals Obamacare nearly enough. They, re- they refer to it as Obamacare light. That was Rand Paul's uh, slogan for uh, anyway. Uh, the fact that they are just trying to push it through so quick, and I hope the Republican Party, and it does seem the Republican Party is giving them pushback. Even Tucker Carlson on his Fox News show criticized um, Paul Ryan uh, specifically on the uh, the tax break for the wealthy. Why is it in there? And Paul Ryan didn't really have an answer other than it's business as usual. When it comes to cost assistance, Trump's plan may include federal subsidies to help people buy insurance, but these subsidies would be based on age rather than income. Under Obama, people who earn up to four times the federal poverty line can get cost assistance, can get cost assistance to buy insurance on the marketplace. 85% of people who sign up qualify. When it comes to Medicaid funding, again, this is the big issue, Medicaid funding. A lot of people, well, Marcus Parks, who isn't here, again, he is ass deep in Hubbard. Uh, still is just as disgusting as when I first said it. Ass deep in Hubbard. Sounds like he's reading Crowley. He might be. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I spoke to him on the phone. He seemed Crowleyed. Indeed. Um, he's on Medicaid. There's a lot of younger people on Medicaid. And of course, there's a lot of older people on Medicaid. And if we know one thing about the elderly, they know what day to vote and they go out to the polls and then they immediately go out and get a big, big breakfast because they love Denny's, and who doesn't? Medicaid funding. Trump has proposed block-granting funding to Medicaid, which means states would get a lump sum of federal money to fund their programs as they see fit. Under the current Medicaid plan, Medicaid funding is based on an open-ended matching system whereby the federal government guarantees at least $1 for every $1 spent by the states. We also have tax deductions under Trump Care. People may be able to deduct the full cost of their health insurance premiums from their federal tax returns each year. Right now, people can deduct medical expenses expenses if these costs exceed 10% of the household's uh, adjusted gross income. When it comes to prescri- uh, prescription drugs, Trump has discussed the idea of allowing people to purchase prescription drugs from foreign countries, which he believes will lower costs. When it comes to Obama, there has been bipartisan support for the overseas drug importation in the past. As it stands, there are no provisions in the ACA that specifically address it. I personally have no problem with the federal government allowing us to get uh, prescription drugs from wherever we possibly can. I also think they should be sold across state lines. Um, Although then do you have a race to the bottom and uh, the worst insurance plans are the ones that are, you know, promoted the the, the most um, uh, because the insurance companies will be able to make the most amount of money off of them uh, throughout the nation. But I, I don't understand why we're not getting drugs from Canada. Um, you know, everyone always complains about the drugs we get from Mexico, but if we can get some of the uh, prescription drugs from Canada, uh, I just, I, I don't understand how that's a problem to save lives. I mean, these drugs exist. They're all over the place. 
Uh, and the way that the United States has our healthcare system set up, again, extremely confusing. I'm trying my best over these uh, weeks to just unravel it. I've read a lot of articles, and each article, every other article contradicts themselves. And so you just try to, you know, uh, try to uh, split the difference and uh, and split the rhetoric and uh, come up with some kind of rational idea. So I am for the Trump idea of allowing foreign countries, uh, people to buy prescription drugs from uh, foreign countries. When it comes to health savings accounts, this is something that Rand Paul is all about. Uh, He wants to do the 5,000 in your health savings account. Uh, Health savings accounts, which are tax advantaged, uh, medical savings accounts would be bolstered under Trump care. And under Obamacare, individuals have the option to use HSAs under Obamacare, but most people don't because they require high deductible health plans and significant funding. And finally, interstate insurance sales. As this goes back to what I was just talking about. Trump wants to remove barriers so that insurance companies can sell it across state lines, a move that he believes will spur competition and drive down costs. Current laws, including complex regulatory and licensing uh, licensing issues, keep insurers state-bound because states have different needs for their insured. So there are some good things, mostly negative things. Uh, he doesn't seem to be getting with the the, the huge issue of pre- premiums and uh, deductibles uh, going up, uh, you know, and that's the major issue that people were sort of blindsided with when it comes to Obamacare. And uh, so the left isn't happy because it's not alleviating the major problems, again, hitting people uh, in the wallet, in their pocketbook. And um, and then the 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 right isn't happy because it still is a federal government program. Uh, and they wanted a full repeal. And it's just this is not it. This is not a repeal of Obamacare whatsoever uh, in many ways, other than the two provisions that I do like. Again, the, the buying from foreign nations and the um, going across state lines to get insurance uh, or allowing insurance to be sold across state lines. Other than that, this this bill just simply does nothing that is that is that is good. Um, and it's so no one's happy. And quite frankly, um the town halls that have been happening all across the country, I think, have had a real dramatic effect on uh, on a lot of Republicans, specifically someone like Tom Cotton out of Arkansas. I mean, his constituents, uh, they are they're big in Medicaid and they rely on these programs. And so uh, he got an earful at a town hall. So many politicians are getting earfuls at town halls. Um, so you could argue that perhaps those are, you know, actually having a real effect and, uh, kudos to everyone out there who did take part in this, uh, Republic who took part, uh, in, in, um, in changing, uh, the way that a politician might see an issue. That's the only thing we can do. You know, the women's March, which I thought, uh, was absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, they're out there practicing their first amendment rights. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, although they did a couple, did get, did get arrested for stopping traffic, which I don't like because who who likes Aww, to be stuck in traffic? So fucking, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Don't stop traffic all the time. Anyway, um, the interesting thing I do want to mention is uh, the Freedom Caucus. This is twenty-two individuals. I believe it's twenty-two individuals, um, and I think it's a private organization. Which is the names aren't released of the people who are in the Freedom Caucus. Which, if that irony isn't lost on you, I don't know what the hell else would be. <laughs> Um, they are the ones who are going to be huge roadblocks for Donald Trump, uh, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell when it comes to, um, uh, getting this bill passed. I also want to mention really quick here when it comes to, uh, immigration, just going back for one second, um, 
Donald Trump wants to cut $1.3 billion out of the budget for uh, the Coast Guard, which is is so strange to me. Currently, the, the Coast Guard gets $9 billion bucks a year. Um, I believe it's a year, and uh, which seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, but they are really the front lines of our drug smuggling. They, they, they bust a lot of drug smugglers, and they bust a lot of people who are bringing in illegal immigrants. So I don't fully understand the rationale with the Trump administration cutting funding for uh, the Coast Guard. Ben, uh, it's clear. He's trying what? to save money to drain the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, I see. So you can't come across. Oh, I get it. So it's like a harder journey. You yeah. got to walk it, not Yeah, but not you can boating. spot them. You can spot them from far away. What about dune buggies, though? Uh, we, we've got to build the coastal <laughs> the coastal wall. I guess he's going to, yeah, he wants to use some of that funding to build uh, the wall that I think we can all agree is absolutely useless. Although uh, the Trump administration is touting uh, positive economic gains over the first month and a half of his administration, and uh, 40%, it has been a 40% reduction in individuals coming to the United States, uh, specifically from our southern border. So if you are Donald Trump, you can tout that as a, um, as a success. Um, because regardless of if the wall is up or not, certainly he has created a rhetorical wall. And uh, the you are not welcome sign, the you are not welcome mat, is, uh, it has been laid out and hung up. And uh, people are recognizing that this might not be the time to come into the country. So if you are a conservative, you would take that as a, uh, as a victory. All right, let's move on a little bit uh, to the wiretapping scandal. I mean, there's so much. Every one of these topics could require like five hours of conversation. But uh, unfortunately, Marcus, you know, he's, he's not here to, uh, to add to the conversation. So I'll just say something. Being, ben, you're wrong. Okay, thank you, Marcus. It's like he was here. I, could, I mean, I could chip in. Yeah, sure. You can just be. You're, you are so wrong. You're so wrong. Okay, good. Now this is com- comfortable again. Not bad. Um, all right, let's get in to this wiretapping scandal. Let's get into the Weeping Angel program, which is something that was released by WikiLeaks. <clears throat> and uh, w- right now, the left hates WikiLeaks. Under W, under the Bush administration, they liked WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks is. Uh, It just reveals information, and as that information goes through the political prism, uh, the people who are negatively affected by it will choose to demonize WikiLeaks, and the people who are positively affected by it will choose to love WikiLeaks, which is actually, as a matter of fact, an exact quote from now-president, conspiracy theorist-in-chief Donald Trump. He says, I love WikiLeaks. He really, I mean, we have a U.S. president, but he was against getting, you know, he's against uh, Chelsea Manning being, uh, Chelsea Manning uh, being released from prison. He, uh, prison. he wants Edward Snowden to be hung in a time, you know, in a, in a, uh, in a union square, uh, but he loves WikiLeaks. So he's all over the map because currently WikiLeaks is helping him out. So uh, let's get into the Weeping Angel program. Travis, what is this thing? So the Weeping Angel is, of course, uh, a demonic wing statue first featured in the uh, Doctor Who episode, Blink. Is that right? <laughs> but it's That's also cool. uh, an alleged spying tool uh, co-developed by the CIA and the UK's MI5 security yeah. agency, um, which lets a uh, Samsung smart TV pretend to turn itself off hmm. and record your conversations when you're not using the screen. Um, but this is horrifying stuff. Yeah, yeah, and but it's specifically for um, the F eight thousand like version of the TV. Okay, it's it's actually the newer uh, TVs are uh, apparently are not uh, equipped to do this or, or, or able to be sort of hacked into. 
And this is according to like CNET, so all the the tech nerds are right. telling me this. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I read an article in Wired about it, re- specifically regarding this situation with Michael Hastings, who again his car magically exploded. Um, and they do mention how this is extremely possible, uh, even when the televisions are off, even when your smartphone is is off, it's still on, it's still awake. Um, uh, it's just and it's recording, and and we're seeing it now with Alexa. And uh, and Siri, uh, you know, these are the the smart witnesses that are now being used in court cases, uh, which is, you know, truly horrifying. That's why I got to love Representative Shorty. Shoot them all out of the sky. (laughs) We got to start this legislation where we can shoot these things. Go Shorty. Go Shorty. I don't care if you're a Republican or not. It doesn't matter to me. I love you on that position. So this is really interesting stuff. And now we have Representative, um, former Representative Dennis Kucinich, who I absolutely love. Apparently, Kucinich has the strongest handshake in in political history. That's that's what they say about nice. him. He's got a beautiful wife, too. And anyway, so this is uh, the former Ohio congressman cited his own experience with wiretapping. Um, he wrote a piece about it. And uh, I mean, so when we do have Donald Trump and this is something funny about the left now, they don't want to give any credit to this notion that the CIA is domestically spying. But from what I understand, the left was all about this under W and obviously a little bit more quiet about it under Bush or I mean, under Obama. But just because Trump says it, you know, then everyone's just going to, uh, you know, decry it as, 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 as quack. Of course, Donald Trump says a, so many ridiculous things that sometimes if he does stumble upon the truth, it is on accident. I do believe that, but I think you might be onto something regarding the wiretapping here, and uh, and this is certainly nothing that is beyond the pale, as we saw with Valerie Plame, uh, when the CIA, when she was outed, and uh, liberals were absolutely livid. I mean, this stuff happens. So former Ohio congressman cited his own experience with wiretapping in a piece, President Trump's assertion that his phones at Trump Tire were uh, Trump Tower were tapped last year has been treated as hilarious and in some circles as beyond contempt. But I can vouch for the fact that extra extra uh, curricular surveillance. It's yeah, extracurricular Extra-curricular. Sur- surveillance <laughs> does occur. Regardless of whether it is officially approved, I was wiretapped in 2011 after taking a phone call in my congressional office from a foreign leader. That is Dennis Kucinich. Again, no hero of the right. Extra extracurricular surveillance does occur regardless of whether it is officially approved. I was wiretapped in 2011 after taking a phone call in my congressional office from a foreign leader. Leader. Now, of course, you would theoretically have to go through the FBI is the only ones that will go and actually get a FISA warrant. And Donald Trump can find out if there was a FISA warrant um, that would have tapped him. Now, there was actually some evidence that they did have a a, a server, uh, not in Trump Tower, but a server uh, of Donald Trump's that was being uh, that was being potentially tapped. There was a FISA warrant for it. So it is it is potential. Again, Donald Trump does himself no favors saying that. Ted Kennedy's father killed Kennedy, you know, or, you know, that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, I mean, God knows. I mean, the, the, there's so many uh, conspiracy theories that he and, and Steve Bannon, of course, the former uh, CEO of Breitbart, and now the ultimate worm tongue uh, in office when it comes to Donald Trump. They've been peddling so many conspiracy theories for so long. Obama birtherism, although that did start, and people will get mad at me again, but that started in 2007. That was Bill Clinton in South Carolina, but that's a whole other story. Um, but now we have, so he gets, so a lot of the, a lot of the truth gets, uh, gets missed because he does lie so damn much. 
So Kucinich outlined how he found out about the surveillance that was done on him. Uh, The Washington Times approached him in 2015, two years after he retired from the House of Representatives, and asked him to verify a recording of a phone call between then-Congressman and Saif Saif el-Islam Qaddafi, a high-ranking official in Libya's government and son of the the then-country's ruler, uh, Momar Gaddafi. The Democrat underlined that he had checked with the White House general counsel to ensure that that such a discussion by a member of Congress with the foreign power was permitted by law. The counsel replied that the representative was expressly protected by the Article 1 clauses covering separations of power and congressional speech and debate. Kucinich confirmed to the newspaper that the recording was authentic and the Times revealed excerpts from the conversation in a report and provided online links where readers could listen to me talking with Mr. Gaddafi. So it happens. Uh, the, The publication also explained that there were secret audio recordings recovered from Tripoli. So the idea that the CIA or the M15 are out there uh, hacking and doing domestic spying, it is occurring. Now, did they hack Donald Trump's? Did did Barack Obama be like hack his phone? That's some bullshit. Yeah, uh, no, it's not even. It wouldn't even be an executive branch's decision to do it. Uh, they can't go to the FISA courts. It's an FBI decision. Uh, James Comey, now the FBI director, of course, uh, is absolutely livid with the accusations. Uh, apparently, some people said Barack Obama was livid. Other people have uh, have said he was slightly more uh, just perturbed by the accusation. God knows, being blasted uh, as a uh, as committing a felonious act on Twitter by a sitting president must be a strange day, to say the least. You just wake up and we get strange things on our Twitter all the time. But can you imagine like a sitting president be like? You're a felon. Be like, what? What happened? I think a more appropriate tweet by Trump would have been, "My fellow Americans, uh-huh. we are constantly under surveillance." End quote. Like, yes. that, just end it and there. That is the Alex Jones wing of the Trump base. There, there is that. You know, Alex Jones again, a man who believes juice boxes makes kids gay, and <laughs> and who, you know, he's he's not it's quite the estrogen in the uh, in the the plastic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good point. That's a good. It is the estrogen in the plastic. But there, there is that that constituency, that core constituency with the Trump administration that does share a Venn diagram with a lot of, um, you know, more freedom loving uh, liberals, uh, with the Dennis Kucinich's of the world, with people who might have supported someone like uh, Bernie Sanders. There is a strong with Rand Paul. Uh, there is a strong. Um, uh, sentiment across this entire country that the chickens have come home to roost, spe- uh, specifically when it comes to drones, which are no doubt doing domestic spying, in my personal opinion, the ones that we, the same ones we used overseas. And when it comes to uh, military use, uh, what we used overseas coming home, look no further than the 1033 program, uh, which allows you know, roughly $2.5 million a year per uh, police precinct, even more than that in a lot of ways. Why are there tanks in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, my hometown of 25,000 people? Why are there ta- a town that hasn't had a murder in far in, in decades? Why are there tanks there? It's not the front lines of a, of the war on terrorism. Uh, it's because our military, our bud- the budget is so extreme, so high. We have such a surplus of goods. It all comes back to us at one point or another, and there is no denying that these drones will be used uh, and are being used for domestic spying on the United States citizens. So when Trump, I, so that is actually one thing I will say about Donald Trump. I'm happy that he started the conversation, uh, even in his he walked ass backwards into the bar. But you know, at least he ordered us all a shot, I guess. Um, 
He stumbled upon something that couldn't possibly be true. And now he is getting conservatives uh, to think about these kinds of things. Again, I mean, the Sean Hannity's of the world talking about uh, talking with Julian Assange, uh, a man who can't go back to his homeland because of sexual um, assault allegations. I have no idea what's true or what's not true. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to. Sean Hannity locked his Twitter account. Yesterday. I saw that. <laughs> so, yeah. He's... What the hell happened with Sean Hannity's Twitter account? <laughs> saw... Everyone was tweeting pictures of it, of his locked account. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way they're going to be able to hack his Twitter account. <laughs> That's gonna be so difficult. Does he does he think that's how they get it? I don't know. That's there's no way to circumvent to that. He's blocked it. So we're WikiLeaks. We can't get to Sean Hannity's Twitter. He blocked it from the front. I don't know. I don't know how to get in there. It's so ridiculous. What a I mean, he, that's that's one of the greatest ironies of people on the right. They're always calling lefty snowflakes and go back to your safe space. He locked his Twitter account. There's no safer space than that. Well, only if you follow me and I approve. Well, that is the weakest thing I've ever seen a person, especially someone like him. Yeah. By the way, I've been looking, finding people that blocked me on Twitter just randomly, <laughs> nice. and I am blocked by the worst human beings on earth. I absolutely love it. I'm blocked by hardcore right uh, alt writers, and I'm blocked by super far left. Uh, a Venn diagram of hatred is the only thing that connects the two of those uh, extremists. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I'm like I'm pretty lefty, and I've I've found that I'm blocked by some high profile left people, and I think it's it's like automatic blocking. Yeah, I guess that was I don't. I didn't even talk to these people. I, I guess they know who I am, um, which is a compliment. Thank you for blocking me. I have no idea who you are, but you knew who I was enough to uh, pre to, to to prevent, uh, you know, or to deter any kind of uh, con- uh, you know conversation with one another. So that's what's happening when it comes to uh, the wiretapping stuff. It, it is fascinating, and uh, check out the Weeping Angel program. And I mean, these things are 100 percent real. Now I sound like I'm Henry Zabrowski. Um, we we got to get on the show at some point. We just have to find the right uh, topic of conversation. Uh, and he will be on very soon. But let's see. I think that's pretty much it for that. And maybe we should just move on to some emails. What do you think, Travis? That sounds good to me. All right. The first email comes in from Seth Harvey. The subject is Dumpster Fire Third Party. He writes... Ben, love all the CCR shows, especially with you being the sane voice on last podcast. Well, thank you very much. I love the insane voices of Marcus and Henry myself. Uh, He goes on, I've been a libertarian since when even at 10, I saw that the Patriot Act was a huge infringement on people's rights, which drove me over the years to do a lot of reading. Uh, He goes on, he started with the Founding Fathers, the Federalist Papers to Ayn Rand. He also says he gladly voted for Johnson, knowing he had a snowball's chance in hopes we get to at least uh, the magical number of 15%. Uh, The email goes on, but this week we got some great news with the Federal Election Commission choosing not to appeal the ruling against the against the debate committee. It's pretty much it pretty much eases the rules for debates uh, to be sued into oblivion. Uh, With this, do you think we'd see the rise of a legitimate third party in the next few cycles, eight to 12 years? Thanks so much for writing it in, Seth. Man, I hope so, because these binary choices that we've been given are atrocious. And that's why we're able, that's why the Donald Trump was able to rise uh, into the position that he currently is, because both the left and the right have been lying and have been vilifying one another to a point where the American people were exhausted with the duopoly of power that have a, that has a stranglehold right now on our republic. The the Democrats and the Republicans, they're just parties. They they are not supposed to be the government, and they are right now. And I would love to see uh, more options, more viable choices. We don't have – right now, I believe we have one and a half parties. 
The one being the Republican Party and the half being the Democratic Party. And it's really sad. And I mean, the fact, and it should be scary that the one is the Republican Party. That is really sad. And we're not getting enough choices and we're not getting enough options. I have so many emails that came in. Uh, from individuals who said they wanted to run for office. Uh, there's one woman that wrote in uh, who asked me not to read her email, and I will not. Uh, but she was discussing some past drug abuse and and uh, and and, and uh, some less than exemplary things that she had done in her past, and how that is now deterring her from running for public office. I read the uh, the. Um, the, the email from the individual who was involved in the Ashley Madison scandal, uh, which is, is, is halting him from, uh, from running for public office. We all just have to do it. And that's why, of course, I'm running uh, or, you know, considering running uh, for a position here in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I mean, again, snow, talk, talk about a snowball's chance, you know, but who cares? It's about getting out there and getting opinions out there and getting voices heard. We need to break the duopoly of power. And the only way to do that is if normal people aren't shamed from, you know, from running. It doesn't matter what you did in your past. Most of these people who are in the Senate, uh, who are in the House, God knows what they've done. Horrible, horrible. Ted Kennedy is a murderer. Bunch of sex tourists. A bunch, sure. Ted Kennedy literally murdered a woman and was reelected many, many, many times. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, so don't uh, feel like you can't uh, have a role in government and, and your voice doesn't matter because it does matter. And just go through all the, uh, you know, the hurdles of running for public office, uh, for public office. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what we need to do. That's what we need to have. We need to have people uh, just get out there, take a chance, take a risk, and make changes on a local legislative level because that's where it all begins. Who's your state senator? Who's your state, uh, con- uh, uh, you know, house member? You can run for those things, and in many of these districts, you get 300 votes, you'll win the dang thing. So uh, I, I pray that we have uh, some other options out there, and not, not just libertarian. I don't care what it is. That's why I was so for Jill Stein in a lot of ways, too, the Green Party. Why not? I mean, you know, we had Bob Fitrakis on here, the, the lawyer for Jill Stein, when she was suing um, because of the uh, the corrupt election results. And he's talking about vote flipping, vote stripping, debold, uh, you know, uh, vote uh, voting booth companies, voting machine companies. All those conversations happen only when people outside the institution come in and um, – and engage. Those are the only times we get those conversations actually going on. And again, Donald Trump would not be where he is right now if the American people weren't so pissed off with the two-party system that has led uh, to such uh, corruption, destruction, and such unbelievable um, political greed. So thank you so much for your question, Seth. All right, let's move on. Um, Let's do... Let's see here. Let's do robots are stealing my future. What to do? Uh, this is from Evan. Thanks so much for writing in, Evan. He writes, Dear Ben, I'm a huge fan of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat and Last Podcast on the left. I look forward to listening every week. My question for you is regarding the future of employment for young people like myself. As automation ravages the workforce, it, is, it isn't it is hard uh, to imagine people not being able to find adequate employment in the not-so-distant future. Where, What are the policy solutions you think uh, can help citizens like us transition into, a, into the post-labor economy? Do you think the universal basic income is a viable option? How quickly do you think this transition will happen? I can't wait to hear the next podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Evan, from Springfield, Missouri. Automation will definitely be happening. There's no denying that. As we talked about earlier on the show, uh, earlier on in the show, 
there will be byproducts of automation. There will have to be different uh, different jobs will be needed um, to facilitate automation. There's no denying that uh, there will be a tax on a corporate tax on robots. Uh, that tax, I believe, will then be used for something like a universal basic income. The question then becomes, if we have a nation indebted to the federal government for every single thing that we need, if the federal government is playing the role of, uh, of, of um, you know, facilitator, if the federal government is the one who is giving us all of our funds to live, it opens the door for the federal government to tell us what to eat, how much exercise to get, what to watch, how to live. Because they're the ones footing the bill. Just as when you were growing up and your parents, uh, you know, said, yeah, you can get a mohawk or you can, you know, buy that, uh, you can get a tattoo, but you'll do it when you get your own apartment. Uh, and you certainly won't be getting any more allowance if you do this, this, and this, and this. Uh, you know, I'm the one footing the bill. I'm the one who makes the rules. As we see with individuals who are on welfare. The federal government in Florida, for, not the federal government, the Florida government, the state government, a Republican wanted to pass uh, a law mandating, making it mandatory for drug testing of anyone receiving uh, federal welfare. And on its face, I mean, I think it's predatory. I think uh, there's there's a uh, there's certainly a racial component, but without a doubt, uh, there's an economic component. I mean, that is basically 100 percent of it. They want these individuals to live a uh, a different in a different America than they are allowed to live in because they take federal funds, they take state funds, and uh, and and rely on it for their lives. And so that's what's really so dangerous. And this is one area where I wish the Republican Party could just get their heads out of their asses, uh, for lack of a better term, and actually talk to the American people and let them know why their policies would be beneficial or libertarians, why their policies would be beneficial regarding uh, getting people to work as opposed to forcing people to stay on government assistance. Right now, if you make $20,000 a year in, a, in government assistance, you get a job that gives you an extra $1,000 a year. You get a job for $21,000. You're done. You're off federal assistance. You're off government state assistance. You're off all the programs that go with that assistance, but your life hasn't changed. $1,000 a year isn't going to change your life enough for you to actually get off, to, to live a similar lifestyle as you had with the government assistance. So now you have children um, that might not have, uh, you know, health coverage, uh, might not have, uh, you know, uh, school lunches, a whole series of things. So there is no incentive to get off of, uh, of the government dime. And so we have to figure that out. And, you know, wellness, happiness, uh, uh, a sense of self tends to be defined by occupation and by one's ability to sustain uh, yourself and to uh, provide for a family. That's how individuals, that's how you get happiness in life is when you have something um, of your own, from your own that you worked on. So with the universal, because I do agree with you. I mean, I think a universal basic income as, 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 um, as uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what's the, the name? SpaceX? Yeah. Elon Musk, as Elon Musk yeah. has, ta has talked about, and Bill Gates uh, recently uh, talked about as well, there is no denying that that is a very possible um, plight of the future. But again, at the same time, I read an article in Fortune magazine um, sort of counteracting that, talking about, again, how these there will be uh, possibilities uh, and new, new options for people getting into the workforce. Now, 
it's a, it's a situation where people who are I think 50 years old and up are going to sort of be lost in the shuffle. There's going to be going going to be a transition generation. People of my age, 35 and under, or maybe even 35 and a little older, realize that we're going to have multiple j- different jobs throughout our careers, and we're a little bit more, um, you know, uh, aware that we're going to have to navigate. Uh, a whole series of different technologies, and we're much more aware of how quick these technologies are going to come. There is no more denying that uh, the world is going into, um, you know, into a, a, a into a technocracy. Uh, there is no, 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 there is no like, but what in the year two thousand? Y two K? It could wipe everything out. We just don't know. There's no more denying it. Automation is here. It's here to stay, and um, and so. Our generation is much more equipped to roll with that tide and change with that tide and uh, and try to stay above, uh, stay on top of the wave. Um, but yes, I do feel bad for the older generations because the the idea of just getting a job, staying in the job for forty years, and then collecting, um, uh, you know, uh, your um, your not your severance, but uh, your retirement package is is just gone. Um, so good question. Thank you so much uh, for writing in, Evan. I hope I answered it. Did I answer that question, Travis? Hell yeah. Okay. Thank uh, you. It's very- funny hearing you talk about technology, though, considering right before we recorded. Uh, yeah, I have no idea how to use the damn stuff. <laughs> I had to help you get on the internet on your tablet. I know. Uh, you know, technology, that's why I have very smart friends around me. Um, it's just a tablet. Technically, it's supposed to be used. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I- now what do I do? Do I smash it or do I stare at it? Those are the only two things that I know. Scream at it. Activate. I have been screaming at that damn thing. <laughs> My roommate got Alexa, by the way. I'm not. Don't. Yeah, don't no, fuck around. No, I'm. Ooh, I don't like it. There was a movement. I, I just read one of these stupid clickbait articles. I don't think it's true. Uh, I'm sure some people think it's true. Is it sexist to yell at your Alexa? <laughs> Which I'm like, it is a robot. Shut the. God, the world's ridiculous. That's that's good. As I was, I was actually driving. Um, back from the airport after our St. Louis show, and it was so awful. The driver was so bad. I definitely wanted that car to be automated. <laughs> definitely. But that's going to, I mean, I think another human being will still have to be in that car. It's not going to be like total recall. Careful. You know, Michael Hastings had a, you know, he had a, I pretty, know. He had a pretty fancy Mercedes. Oh my God, I'm, on, I'm he, on the hit list. But then he accidentally got hacked and had a crystal meth in his system. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it is possible. All right, let's move on here. This email is from Stan. Uh, Stan writes in the subject matter, seriously, Clinton, uh, in the subject line, rather, seriously, Clinton 2020. He writes, the Democrats can't really think running Hillary in 2020 is a possibility, right? Keep up the great work, Stan. Well, thank you so much for the quick and concise question. Uh, They better not. I mean, there's just if, if if they think that running Hillary Clinton at that point, she would be, well, the oldest presidential uh, candidate other than uh, Bernie Sanders in this last cycle. Um, there's just simply no way um, it, that the Democrats w- w- are going to win in 2020 if they keep up this old um, notion that the Republican Party is just going to be so beyond the pale for the American people that they're just going to vote for the Democrats as a um, as, as, as sort of a default. The Democrats need to get their message out. I don't fully understand how they don't do a good enough job getting their working class message out there. I mean, Hillary Clinton, if you listen to a lot of the people uh, that voted for Donald Trump in states like North Carolina, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, those states, they just didn't see a message. And Donald Trump, like I was talking about earlier on in the show, 
It was stupid. It's the dumbest slogan. It, I mean, it's Reagan's slogan. No, he stole the damn slogan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, by the way, uh, and this is something that I, that I want to bring up because you know there is no compromise anymore. People forget Ronald Reagan. Uh, he he appointed two pro-choice Supreme Court justices. He uh, he signed the I believe it's the Mulberg Act of 1967. I talked about that in the last dumpster fire chats regarding gun control. I mean, there was a time where partisanship, um, where you could actually reach across the aisle and get things done. But can you imagine if a Republican or uh, the inverse, a, a Democrat put up a pro-life Supreme Court justice or a Republican put up a pro-choice Supreme uh, Court justice? Wasn't it Nixon who like started the EPA? Yeah, it's madness. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Uh, which uh, which is now not going to be destroyed any longer. Uh, it's it's fine now. Um, it, it's just it's madness that uh, there is like total lack of functionality between these two parties, and that's again why we need a, why we need different voices and different options to to blow that whole thing up. Um, so no, if, if they run Hillary Clinton, uh, well, we got another four years of Donald Trump unless he's primaried uh, by some. Uh, Maybe perhaps a more right-wing Republican, uh, perhaps a more socially liberal Republican. Who knows? But I want to see. I want to see the bench, the exact for the Democrats in 2020, the exact same length as the bench was for the Republicans in 2016. Everyone made fun of the Republicans for having so many people on the stage, and they had an undercard debate. I mean, everyone was mocking them. At the end of the day, the American people need options. We need choices, and without choices. Uh, you know, it's going to go to the person who has the most provocative tone and says the things that everyone wants to hear. And regardless of substance, uh, people are just going to go out and vote for the person who, who gives them something to eat, regardless if it's an old country buffet uh, or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter how good the food is. Hillary Clinton gave us an empty plate and, and Donald Trump gave us beans. I guess beans are better than nothing. Wow, I really like this restaurant analogy. Ooh, I love Old Country Buffet. <laughs> I went with my girlfriend's family. Um, let's see here. All right, this will be the last one. I have so many of these, but this one comes in. Did I get a woman in here, actually? I'm, I'm, I'm you had one. I did? Yeah. Well, let's do, I want to be fair. Well, I'll read, I'll read two. This one comes in from Kaylin. Uh, the subject line is bathroom bills. She writes, Dear Ben, Natalie's email from your most recent dumpster fire chat inspired me to write, and my heart goes out to her. Uh, for those that don't remember, Natalie was a uh, trans woman uh, living, I believe, in Kansas City. She was in Missouri, and Missouri is attempting to pass one of these preposterous bathroom bills that was started with North Carolina. The Republicans started the, these ridiculously stupid bills banning trans people from from uh, using the bathroom that fits their their gender identity and then the Obama administration was forced to do government overreach and and stop them from doing it and now Donald Trump has stopped the federal government from impeding on states rights it's all a cluster it is a mess solely because the government uh in North Carolina overreached on a state level and it has the audacity uh, to create a bill that would uh, dictate how people, where people, individuals use a restroom. It's unbelievable. Anyway, she goes on. Natalie's email from your most recent dumpster fire chat inspired me to write in and my heart goes out to her. I have to say it makes me absolutely furious that our government wants to essentially police people's bathrooms activity under this bullshit guise of trying to protect women from predators. As a woman, it pisses me off to be used as a pawn to further hateful rhetoric. We live in a country where rape kits sit on shelves for years, sometimes indefinitely. Great point. We live in a country where a judge has no qualms about sentencing a rapist to three months in jail because it would ruin his life. 
We elected a president who openly brags about assaulting women. I know I could go on and on uh, about this, but I know you're a busy guy. Please keep up the great work. I absolutely love Abelian's Top Hat and never miss an episode of Last Podcast. I hope you guys someday uh, hop the river uh, to Jersey for a live show. Much love, Kalen. Absolutely. We'll be in Jersey very, uh, very soon. Thank you so much for writing in. And you could not be more right. This whole guys that is protecting women, and, and I want to get a uh, a uh, a listener actually is is really on the front lines of this rape kit uh, situation, and they're just not. There's no funding to, to look at them. I mean, so even if a woman does go through all the proper steps um, after a sexual assault, there's no guaranteeing that the officers, if she, especially if she doesn't come from economic means, are going to even look into it. And yeah, I mean, so this whole guy is that they're protecting women from those predator, predatory uh, trans women. It's just total and utter nonsense. So great point. Thank you so much. Uh, for writing in. Um, all right, the last one. Uh, we'll go with this fella. His name is Bill. He writes in, Able, the subject line, Able Against Top Hat response to Sean Spicer's news conference. Oh, my good. We actually, I'm going to read that New York Post story uh, <laughs> yeah. here as well. The New York Post has a great, a great article about this. Uh, okay, he writes, Hi, Ben. Love the show. I've been listening to the last podcast and love for a few months now. Picked up on Able Against Top Hat after you mentioned it. After you mentioned it on one of the 9/11 episodes, I kind of wish I had a st- I kind of wish I had started sooner. I could have used your unique commentary during election season, but I can't bring myself to go back and listen to those episodes now, knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, it is like one of those movies where you're like, all the characters die. I can't. Oh no. Um, Anyway, I'll try to keep this short. And for the record, I do not work in the media. He underlined the word not. I think he might work in the media. <laughs> this guy could be. work in the media. I think this is Rupert Murdoch. Is it possible? Oh, this is a long one. Oh, my goodness. I imagine that you're distressed as I imagine that you were as distressed as many other people, myself included, at Friday's news of CNN Political, the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times being barred from Sean Spicer's press conference, while some news organizations, most notably Time Magazine and the Associated Press, opted not to attend. Uh, many others did. Of course, some of these media outlets like Breitbart News and Fox News. In fairness, Shepard Smith has come out hard against this, uh, who who you would ha- expect to attend uh, did. Yes. Yeah, so basically, the, me- the, the right-leaning media went in there, of course. Uh, however, there were other mainstream news a- uh, organizations that chose to attend as well, despite the thinly veiled threat being leveled at them by the Trump administration, uh, administration through Sean Spicer. In response, I contacted CBS and ABC News through the contact forms on their websites, as well as to a handful of publicly available email addresses of decision makers at the two companies. I explained that I think their decision to have correspondents attend the presser was both cowardly and short-sighted, particularly in light of other organizations such as the aforementioned Times and AP not going. While I don't expect my individual messages to be given much thought, if enough people write in, someone is going to get the message. Okay, he goes on free access to the press to the people is a key component uh, to any healthy democracy slash republic. Um, he goes on, but we have to cut that a little bit short. Thank you so much for writing in, Bill. He says, keep up the good work. Yours is a voice of reason. Absolutely. I mean, and we talked about this on the last episode a little bit. What is new media? Uh, you know, the Obama administration was not kind to Fox News. And now the Trump administration is not kind to The New York Times and CNN, MSNBC, the AP. It just goes on and on and on. And of course, Infowars and Breitbart now have a seat at the table, which is fairly insane. Um, it is a new world when it comes to uh, when it comes to who 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 has access to the president has changed. There's no denying that. I do think it's a, a little bit uh, a little bit overblown 
just we have to be extremely careful. The freedom of press is is absolutely needed, like uh, like you said, for a thriving democracy, for a thriving republic. I think it is a, a bit blown out of proportion from those certain institutions who are complaining. Again, I don't have any faith in CNN. I don't have any faith in MSNBC. I don't have any faith in any television news outlets because uh, it's all it's it's just not. Information, knowledge, and facts are not what they're looking for. It's about marketing dollars, preaching to the choir, and maintaining the um, the audience. It's it's totally they're incentivized by not truth telling. They're incentivized by eyes on their product, and that's why Fox News wins basically every month. Because if you hate them or you love them, you're watching because it's entertaining. Hot chicks in short skirts talking conservative politics. It's basically it's just perfect math. For a television station. But that's but that's a great point, and we do have to watch it. And, and Trump's rhetoric regarding the media, as he did throughout the entire campaign, uh, for those that don't remember, he used to have the crowds turn around, point to the people uh, in the media, on Media Row, and boo them. I mean, it's, it, is, it is very scary, and it is something we have to, uh, you know— Yet he watches it every night. Yet he watches it—well, to- now he watches Fox and Friends for his information— which is always, that's perfect. He wants to hate fuck the press. He really does. So, yes, uh, it's a slippery slope. And I think as a nation, with their, again, as I talked about in that episode with Marcus, there's more media than ever before. All of us are independent journalists. There's more information than ever before. So I actually think we're doing okay when it comes to access and, and information that Americans previously didn't have. I mean, you look at Watergate. Watergate was nothing compared to a single uh, WikiLeak. You know, just one of those WikiLeaks would have made Watergate blown. would would blow Watergate out of the out of the water. Um, Woodward and Bernstein would be nobody um, if uh, you know if if we lived by if 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 uh, if the Nixon administration lived under this technology now. I mean, it's it's hilarious to think about individuals tangibly breaking into, uh, you know, a a, a hotel and you know getting open a you know a, a also Watergate wouldn't have lasted two years. No, it well. wouldn't have been anything. It would have been done. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, so thank you so much for the point. I completely agree with you, uh, and I'm happy that uh, everyone is is uh, engaged. This is the okay. Finally, this is just a New York Post story that I thought was hilarious. It came out uh, <laughs> March 10th. Is Sean Spicer trying to tell us he's in trouble is the headline. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer wore his flag pin upside down to his daily briefing with reporters Friday afternoon. An upside down American flag is officially recognized as a distress signal. Spicer right at the fashion faux pas at mid briefing just before taking questions from reporters after Fox's John Roberts pointed it out to him. The Trump spokesman fumbled with the, with the lapel pin before turning it right side up and carrying on as the room full of journalists cracked up. <laughs> oh, poor Sean Spite. I, you know, it's so funny. I actually, I have sympathy for all press secretaries. It's a night. They don't create the policy. They just have to go lie for the government. It is, it is, it's a nightmare. John Roberts is always helping with the fashion Spicer joked. People on social media also took notice to the, to the goof. And basically, he was just lambasted by every single human being in the country. Um, is Sean Spicer crying for help? Oh, poor guy. Um, he also was wearing a uh, like a child's jelly bracelet today at today's press conference. Yeah. So what is that? A signal? I don't know what. He's exhausted. I think he's just absolutely exhausted. 
Um, all right, everyone. Well, that's this episode. Uh, Marcus will be back. Will be back uh, next week when he when he's not as deep in Hubbard. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel. Find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. I believe he's also Marcus Parks on Instagram. On Instagram, I am Ben Kissel one. Uh, tweet at me. I'm also going to be. Uh, Doing Fox News Radio again from 6 to 9 on Monday. Um, what's the date Monday? I guess it'll be March 13th, I believe. Mm. Let's check that out on this old calendar here. Um, yes, March 13th, 6 to 9, Fox News Radio. Call in and we can make, I, I want, I'm going to get some people from the Innocence Project on there. Um, I want to talk a lot about prison reform. We can talk about anything we want. Again, we're filling in. We're, we're in the spot of Alan Combs. So we don't have to go Fox News far right or even Alan Combs left. We can just we're just going to be a, a moderate voice of reason. That's going to be the entire mission and the entire drive. And hopefully uh, all of us still have the opportunity um, following Monday to uh, to keep it up and uh, and, you know, get your and I can't wait to get your calls. So please call in and I'll tweet out that stuff. Uh, all the information you need uh, for that. Also, the Ben Kissel for President shirts are now out, yes. and uh, the Able Against Top Hat shirts are out. And so, just buy all the shirts. The Jackie—that's uh, my name. That's my name—is a great shirt. <laughs> uh, last podcast on the left has a limited edition shirt out right now. Yeah, uh, that is on Represent.com. Okay, that's not on the merch page. No, okay, that's so- a, that's a flash sale kind of thing. Okay, but uh, for that special T-shirt, that doesn't start shipping until April. Just so okay, you, yeah. All right. Well, very cool. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.